Welcome to You Wear It Well. Hi, I'm your host, Jeff Heiserman, physical therapist and founder and CEO of Spectrum Ergonomics and Occupational Health Services. We're at the intersection of fashion and technology, otherwise known as wearables. We look at the people, products, and research that make up this exciting world of wearables. Are you a fashion designer, electrical engineer, or someone with the dream of designing a wearable? Apply for membership to my LinkedIn group page, Biotech Fashion, and join in the discussion. So now, the final question that I ask all my very special guests. Where do you see your particular sector of wearables in five years? Whoever wants to go first, you know, you might need 30 seconds to think about it. You might not even know what to think about it. Not to put you on the spot, but, you know, if any of you has an answer. Although, you know, I'm very optimistic that we'll reach there, but uh, the current scenario is not that much uh, promising in, in my area of interest that I would like to work on. That means uh, wearable textiles. For example, whenever I see any research work displaying any prototype engine and product, you know, I always think of how we can commercialize the product because I come from like such background, the retail background, like you would have like I, I remember that we used to uh, do some research, what's working in European market, what's working in American market, then bring them together uh, and do and make something for the Canadian market. That's how we used to do our product research b- before bringing our product into the Canadian market. And how fast was that from concept to bringing that into the retail store? Four months. So, so I always think of like think like how can we like market a product and make it commercializable. So I also have the same observation for wearable electronic textiles, like how we can bring these products into the market and or why these products are not available out there already. Whenever I see any uh, proposed concept in research papers, right? Then after doing a lot of background study, I figured out that there are a few obstacles. One of, one of the main obstacles was a uh, lack of coordination between textile engineers and engineers from other disciplines like electronic, uh, mechanical or material scientists or engineers while developing wearable textiles. So as a result, there there are a lot of unrealistic product concepts that will never see the face of any successful commercialization process. So hence, the first measure that we should take is to bring these scientists and uh, uh, like engineers together from different disciplines and form a team so that they can work together instead of working uh, you know individually. And otherwise, we'll keep publishing papers and concept works, which we have been doing since 1990s, right? And another reason is the lack of standardized test methods. Since it's a brand new area, combining both electronics, materials, mechanics, uh, or uh, like uh, textiles, it requires its own sets of tests and quality control methods to reduce the market entry barriers and ensure consumer safety mechanical robustness and electrical efficiency. So I had the opportunity to work with a few committees, uh, committee members from ASTM and ISO 
technical committees back in Canada who are working in these areas of developing test standards for wearable textiles. Unfortunately, uh, what I found out that uh, US is far behind than the European counterparts, than European countries in this regard. So that's why, unfortunately, I have to say we might not see as much as smart and successful wearable textile products here in the US in the next five years, mostly in retail stores. But I know for a fact that US and the Canadian Armed Forces are heavily investing in developing wearable textiles for diverse applications, including sensors, energy harvesters. So we can expect to see more applications of uh, wearable textiles or uh, electronic textiles uh, in such fields, but again, not in the mainstream popular outlets. In this regard, and I want to add one thing. Uh, from our lab, we recently published a review paper. It's a uh, very extensive review work entitled Electronic Textile Sensors for Decoding uh, Vital Body Signals, state-of-the-art review on characterizations and recommendations. So we showed what are, what are the prime obstacles lie right now when designing textile-based wearables uh, are for, are for mass commercialization or mass production and proposed uh, some uh, proposed a, uh, an universal roadmap for characterizing these products. We hope this could help the industry leaders and the associated stakeholders. So that's uh, my... Okay. Uh, yeah, that's what I would like to share. Okay, thank you, Jason or Asha. Would you would, do you have any takes on where your I, sector I, of wearables I, will be in five years? Yeah, I to Ikra's point, like a lot of our there are lots of ready sensors out there, but energy harvesting is, I think, a big area that needs to be. Um, explored before you know we can have a realistic standalone system currently a lot of our products and uh, sorry they're not products yet I shouldn't be so presumptuous but uh, the sensors we're developing um, we're always tethered to a power supply and I think flexible batteries and compact sources of power are a big um, necessity at this point to mobilize all the uh, devices we've been developing and make them um, fully conformable standalone systems. So I think our lab particularly is very excited about energy harvesting. And since piezocrystals are sensors, but they're also actuators, I think it's a great opportunity for us to build in some sort of energy harvesting mechanism within the wearable systems that we design. And I think that will be like a fully contained um, feedback loop within itself and will allow um, devices to realistically be worn in a very conformable form factor without having to put on like a chunky little module of batteries somewhere. Yeah, I think the way I would answer this question, probably a little more from a step back from like our current trends, I think like things like VR um, technologies, are, they're all becoming more mobile and, and easier to access. And, um, and even like the more smart rings, smart watches, um, they're approaching you know, medical gold standards in terms of their accuracy and reliability. And so I think like as the trend of electronics getting smaller, um, it kind of goes into two form factors. We either make it like really small and flexible and undetectable, or we kind of build them into everyday objects that we wear and, and 
use. Um, and I think both of those like coincide with current trends, but I think ultimately like the, all of this focus on, you know, metaverse entertainment, like I think we're going to start seeing um, upgrades in wearables with regards to like gaming and entertainment and, and haptics and um, kind of incorporating our whole body profile into um, something that can be digitized, um, which can be a scary thought, but um, I think that's, that's where it's going. Yeah, just to quickly say, you, you mentioned about it being a scary thought, uh, digitizing it, but look at it from this regard. Um, let's, let's take your ALS patient that you were talking about earlier. Uh, that ALS patient's having difficulty with ambulation. Um, they can get up out of the chair, but, but now we've got balance involved, and I don't want to take the step. But you could, let's just say you've got a pair of pants that is, you know, it, you've got digitized proper movement that can be Bluetooth sent to the pants, or you could have a microprocessor that's handling that data, but then act, you have actuators in those pants where that person can then slowly take a normal stride, slowly so that they don't panic that they're going to fall. But we're, we are now gait training. We are now doing what we call neuromuscular reeducation in our field. That's what we call it. Now, to me, that's very exciting because we actually have so... Yes, it can be scary in some respects, but in other respects, there's another, there's a flip side to that coin. And there's putting it in the hands of professionals who use it with patients to enhance their, their motor skills. Uh, and I think that that's how I look at it. Uh, I'm not a gamer. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I, I, I never was, but I see this technology and I don't blow it off and say, oh, that's, that's those, that's those kids that game all the time. You know, they just sit around and play games all day long. That's when they're done with school. no. I see the potential for where that can be used with what I do. So I think there's a flip side to everything. You know, there's, there's the leisure side, entertainment side. We can flip over and be the practical medical side. So we, have, we can have consumer and medical combined into the technology. And just in, in how it's being utilized or what it's being put in can make a difference between it being consumer and medical wearable too. So, but from the same idea on that. Yeah, I absolutely do any of you have agree. Any... Okay. Do any of you have any um, closing closing thoughts after yeah, discussing what we have? About involving, you know, the larger society in this mission, I do think there is so much that the average citizen is equipped to do at this point. My my six months at MIT have really felt like, you know, trying to take a drink from a fire hydrant. Like there's so much like prepared modules of technology out there, like there's a lot that one can do just sitting in their garden shed or home office. I think we're at, a, we're at a point where people can start what I like to call technological scrapbooking, making their own gadgets and apps. And I believe that we need this widespread participation from people of different backgrounds and different socioeconomic backgrounds and walks of life to truly humanize wearable technology and define the culture that will carry it forward sustainably in the future. So I do, I would really love to encourage people who are listening to this um, to, you know, start taking an initiative like science is now more approachable than it has ever been. And it's a great time for everyone to start participating and giving their little contributions so that we can make the future of wearables a lot more 
humanized and, um, you know, approachable and lovable for everybody. Great, great point. I think we could do a whole nother podcast just on that. Um, and maybe, maybe I'll have you on for that in, in the future. Uh, just that, I think it's a great idea for that. Anybody else have any comments? For me, I would say I have a message for the like US policymaker. Like, let's not fall behind. Uh, Europe is moving ahead of us. Let's make some solid policy. Let's uh, bring some experts and put the correct people in the correct place. And uh, let's make a revolution with the wearable technology. I agree with you 100%. That, that's why I offer, you know, that's why I offer to companies, let, let's beta test. You can beta test in my clinic. Um, it's a lot easier than going to a university and having to, you know, face lots of red tape. A lot of these universities have red tape. So where do companies go? How do I get this out? You know, you beta test it. What, what kind of people do you want? I can get them for you. You know, we can knock this out in a matter of a few months. Uh, you've got all your data. Um, you can move forward with that. So, yeah, I'm, I can I can offer that because I have very little regulation on me versus if I was at a university. So I've and I'm not part of a hospital system. I'm an independent practitioner. You know, I have my I have my malpractice insurance. I have general liability. I have all the, you know, I have all the, the stuff that I need. So let's get going. So I, I feel like you, Ikra. I, I know when the companies approach me and I, I say, you know, you can do this. It's like, really? What isn't there a lot? No, there's not a lot you have to do we can get it set up and get moving on it. And, and that's, that's what I do because I really I, like you. It's like, got to get moving. You know, we, you don't have to put it into this system that has so much encumbrances to it that, you know, it's, it's just like you're in a spider web, you know, you're not gonna be able to get out um, because yes, it, it, there's, there are a lot of regulations. And, and I, I think here in the United States, a way around, a way to try to move out of that is to take a look at independent type centers like mine where you can move forward with that. Um, yes, um, you know, I, I have to be careful with what I do. You know, first do no harm. So if I'm, if I'm doing a beta testing, I'm going to make sure this product is not going to harm that person because in the end, I'm the one that's going to, I'll be getting in trouble for it too. So I have to really watch over that. But I don't have so many encumbrances. Um, I don't have ethics committees that I have to go through. Uh, it's, between, it's between the user, myself, and the, the company. So there's just three three people that are involved, but that's not much red tape. So you've got a really good point. And I think that um, Europe has really been moving much at a much quicker pace than us. And um, it's interesting that most of the companies that I deal with are from Europe. Uh, they they really see the value of just moving forward with this. So um, that's that's a really good point. I think that's that's something that I think more of the universities, more of the, the, the startup type people need to take a look at is how am I going to how am I going to move this out so I can get it out to people? And vice versa, like, you know, like Asta said, she, how do you, you know, if, if folks out there have this idea, like, oh, I, I, I made this in, in my house, I made this semiconductor. You're like, where can I go to get this? You know, how, who can I contact? You know, I, I don't want to, I have to be careful with it because I don't want some big company getting it. And then I, it's not mine anymore. Yeah. So, you know, we take a look at intellectual property, physical property, you know, where's the best route to get it out to where we can start to get it out to help people. And I'm not saying we, we, we want to skip. FDA testing. No, if it's going to be a medical product, we have to go through the FDA. There's no way around that. And, and I would not advocate not doing FDA approved testing because we have to do that. We have to assure people that there's this gold seal that we can now put on our product that chances are you're not going to get harmed. Okay. Very, you know, we've had it tested. Uh, but if it's not going to be medical testing, if it's to be consumer, let's, let's move along. You know, we can still be safe 
and uh, not be so regulated uh, when it comes to that. But I think that's that's a really good point that we you know how can we move move beyond so we can start moving products out there uh, faster but yet safely and we're going to hit the target population that we want for that particular product. Jason, do you have any thoughts? Um, to share on I mean, I'd, I'd like to just say like that pipeline is um, up through medical FDA approval. You know, that's it's of utmost, utmost importance that we maintain the stress on safety, reliability. And um, but, you know, it, there are many ways that I feel like that whole pipeline can can be simplified as well with like standardized testing and and expectations and. So I, I'm very optimistic for the future of wearables. And I, I know many people have probably said this, but I feel like as if we're at a crux of, of this technology um, really becoming ubiquitous and um, maybe a message for the listeners would be that if um, this is a field that really values interdisciplinary people. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a great thing to join right now. Yes. Um, that was one of my goals of this podcast was, you know, could we inspire the wearable makers, the wearable designers of the future? You know, we want to have, are we going to have 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 40 year old people, you know, maybe people going back to school, they want to do this. So age isn't really a matter. It's more of, they want to contribute. What, I think I could do this. I would like to, to be a part of this. And I encourage people to do that. Uh, because I think it's something that's it's it's been needed for a long time in the medical profession. We have needed we've been we continue to need help. We have needed help. Um, we've not been able to do this on our own. I've mentioned that many a time. We need you. We need people from various backgrounds. We need bright people who have a passion to help people. And we need that because in the medical profession, we just we've I mean, it's obvious we failed. We just don't have what it takes. We don't have five or six different type of brains. I mean, right. We have three types of brains right here on the show right now, coming from different backgrounds to, to work on creating something. And it's just, it's, this is exciting for me to see this. And this is why I wanted to have you on the show because it's, it's to me, it's been long overdue, but I know technology has to catch up with our imagination. And I, but also imagination is what sparks technology. So it's, it's this circle that continues to, to go around and around and around and I think that it's the, the circle is actually now getting smaller. So it's looking less intimidating. And like Asha said, we might have somebody out there listening that says, you know, I'm working on something in my garage. And they may approach a company and it may be the next thing that, you know, that's, it's going to pick up your blood sugar level. It's a sensor, you know, five years from now. So diabetics don't have to stand with their phone and, and you know, rub over their arm. But it's being monitored all the time. So I, I think that that's really important. And so, um, again, kudos to the three of you, because obviously you, you brought your passions and your dreams together. And um, there's no limitations. Like you said, Jason, the sky is the limit. So um, I'm just I'm excited that the three of you are doing what you're doing and um, you will make a difference in people's lives. No question about it. Um, I can see that uh, from where I stand. The sky is a limit too. And I encourage people out there too that are thinking about doing this to do like these three individuals did and just do it. Just pursue the dream and to go after that. So 
on that note, I want to thank all three of you for taking the time out of your obviously busy lives. Uh, you know, you're working on all kinds of different projects and you know, you're trying to fit in, you know, life in the middle of all that, you know, lunches together and all those things. So I, I really am excited, though, that, that the three of you are working together. Um, you see the value of it. And I think that that interconnectedness is something that is going to um, pay off in the long run. And um, I'm going to put the invitation out that, if, you know, if the three of you or any of you have something interesting that it's, it's now branching out into the future and you want to share it, just, you know, send me an email. And I'd love to have you back on the show again so we can let the listeners know, hey, this is what's new. Look what's coming out so that, you know, they can see and be inspired that uh, wearables is it, it is the future and it's it's now and uh, it's very exciting. So once again, I want to thank all three of you, um, the tech trio. Um, I affectionately call you three because I really see that the, the technology from your different angles is coming together. And um, it'll be very interesting in the future to see which what you come out with to help people. And I, um, I hope that we can continue our our dialogue here on the, the podcast over the years, even if it takes five years or 10 years, hopefully you guys aren't in school that long, but uh, you know, in any case, w- whatever time frame it takes that we can keep the relationship going and get this information out to people so they can follow along your journey, uh, which I think is fascinating that we're here's, this is the start of the journey that we talk about when research is done and there's prototypes, but not, none of that's happening yet, but you're working on it. And I think that's, that's really exciting. So again, my very special guest, the the tech trio. I want to thank you again and um, best of luck and everything that's coming up for you in the near future. And uh, let's keep in touch and share what's, what's going to be new and exciting. Thanks for having us, Jeff. Oh, you're very thank you welcome. So much, thank you. No, you're welcome. All right. And enjoy the rest of your day. Are you a startup, wearable company? Don't know where quite to go from here? Well, you have the questions and Spectrum Ergonomics has the answers. Go to our company website at www.spectrumergonomics.com and click on the link wearables. There you'll find a wide variety of services and other contractors that we work with to help make your product become a reality. We're here to help you through the process of iteration to packaging and beyond. Spectrum Ergonomics and Occupational Health Services provides a broad array of design and engineering professionals for your wearable project. We feature the following design specialties. Pattern making, digital textile, athletic wear, sensor, fashion, exoskeleton, robotics, and mechatronics. We also offer beta testing of your wearable in our private clinic. You choose the demographics and sample size, send us the sample, and we take care of the rest.
For more information, go to www.spectrumergonomics.com for more information. Hey, if you're a startup wearable company and you'd like to be able to get your information on this podcast, please contact me at my company website, www.spectrumergonomics.com. I'd love to be able to feature a little bit about what you're doing to let the world know about your wearable. Well, thanks for joining me at the intersection of fashion and technology. And may you wear it well.